Thank you for listening to Bakersfield Observe, the podcast with Richard Bean. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Centric Healthcare and King Door Company. Welcome to Bakersfield Observe with Richard Bean, a podcast for and about Bakersfield and Kern County. Richard's guests are newsmakers, influencers, and personalities who address topics of interest to you and your neighbors and your community. The discussion is fast, informative, and always civil. Now, here's your host, Richard Bean. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Bakersfield Observe podcast. We record it right here at the American General Media offices off California Avenue and Highway 99 in Bakersfield. This podcast airs weekly, and it complements the work of the Bakersfield Observe blog. You can access this podcast via Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get it on kernradio.com. Today's broadcast features an old friend of the show, Dr. Robbie Patel of the Comprehensive Blood and Cancer Center over off Truxton Avenue. In the span of a few short years, Dr. Patel has built CBCC into one of our community's greatest assets, a place where people fighting cancer can find the latest technology and help and support without having to leave town. So here, let's give a big welcome to our friend, who's going to update us on the war on cancer, Dr. Ravi Patel. How are you, sir? Doing good, Richard. Thanks for uh, that very kind intro. You know, like patients tell me, how, where did you get trained? And I tell them I got my license on a weekend in Tijuana, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. It's certainly we're, we're, it's great to have you here. And I, I got to tell you, Dr. Patel, I just, how many friends, I can't count them in my life, who have been stricken either with some form of cancer or have had a loved one has who have gone to you and your group of uh, physicians over there and have such wonderful things uh, to say about you. Because I'll tell you, there was a time in this town that if you got cancer, you didn't think about staying here, that you had to go down, down south or somewhere. Yeah, no, thanks for the kind words, Richard. And, you know, as you say, so many people have cancer, Unfortunately, one out of three will get cancer. It's a oh. sad thing. And uh, and uh, the community has been great. There's been great support. And, you know, we've been able to collaborate with uh, good centers uh, such as UCLA mm-hmm. to bring some of the treatments there right into our community here for our patients, you know, with the clinical trials. Well, you've done a terrific job over there. Let's get right into it. You know, Dr. Patel, last week on 60 Minutes, I saw a piece on a new uh, genetic-based predictive blood test, I guess, where they used a blood test. They said it was promising to show, I believe this company was called Gallery or Galleria or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That seemed to indicate that we're inching closer to to having a blood a simple blood test predict if if we could if we're going to get cancer and and actually what kind is 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 that as advertised i mean tell me what's your take on that are are we close to getting there oh we're you know it's uh, many companies are coming up with uh, similar kind of tests 
This particular company has been able to target the maximum amount of genes. Uh, and the theory behind this is that if you, most of the cancers have a genetic basis. Now, the genetic basis could be either genes which come down in your family. So, for example, the color of your eyes could be blue or black or brown. Those are genes which you carry through your family. Mm -hmm. And then there are genes which drive the cancer, and those are genes which hide in the cancer and may not be hereditary. Some could be, but most of them are mutated, messed up genes in the cancer. Mm. And normally you would need a biopsy to identify this, but more and more people can now go into the blood and look for the mutations uh, which are hiding in the cancer in the cells which are floating around in the blood and then identify the cancer and target the treatment. Mm. So that's where the direction of this is going. This particular test, unfortunately, uh, you have to pay. Uh, it's a cash basis test, mm. but there are other tests which are uh, approved by Medicare, which can help in lung cancer, breast cancer, variety of other cancers. So uh, hopefully this test also will get uh, approved in the future. Uh, but the important message here is the blood test identifies the cancer, but it's very, very important that people just don't get the impression, I'm going to get a blood test, I'm going to get my cancer identified, and life is going to be good. Right. No, life is not going to be good unless you live a good lifestyle. You don't smoke, keep your weight down, exercise regularly. You don't want to do all the bad things and then say, look, I'm just going to do a test and everything is going yeah, to be okay. Right, it's right. not going to be okay. Right, absolutely. So uh, help me here because uh, uh, you're the expert on this. So there are, are, it sounds like there's two types of ways that you could get cancer genetically. One is through handing down, as as you said, that if if, if 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 your father had blue eyes, you may have blue eyes. You know, you may you may you may get an inclination to cancer through genetics. But you also said that there's sometimes that just the genes are hiding in the cancer cells. I mean, is that just just the luck of the draw? You just sometimes you'll get a cancer that's never been in your family. Correct. So, for example, uh, you could get lung cancer or colon cancer. And say that you get the lung cancer and colon cancer, these are fairly two, two common cancers. And one of the things is there's a separation between genes which come down from the family. And then there are genes which, get, which are hiding in the cancer itself and are messed up genes. Mm. And those genes drive the cancer. So what you can do is that in colon cancer and lung cancer, perfect example, you can identify genes which are messed up, which did not come down as a hereditary gene, go after that gene, identify a drug which can attack that particular gene. For example, in breast cancer, there is a drug called Herceptin, which targets particularly a gene called the HER2 gene, um, and 
helps uh, one third of the breast cancer patients who end up with this particular uh, mutation sometimes in the breast cancer. So uh, these are different than the familial genes. Hmm. Same, same thing happens in colon cancer. There are certain drugs which can target certain genes which drive colon cancer. Uh, and that way, uh, new drugs are being developed in this way to target these particular uh, molecules. Hmm. Is, it, is, it, is it safe to assume that one day will be able through a genetic testing. So if you have a history of a specific type of cancer in your family, say pancreatic cancer, a terrible one, you know, mm -hmm. uh, is it possible that one day we'll all be able to screen, particularly say if, if I have it in my family, that I'll be able to screen and it would be able to tell me if I have a, I guess a higher degree than normal to, to get that cancer? Uh, yes and no. Yes, in this way that, for example, uh, if you take a good example, breast cancer, mm -hmm. if somebody came to us and told us that, you know, look, my family had, my aunt had breast cancer, and one of them, uh, one of my cousins had ovarian cancer, then there's a link there starting to develop that there could be some genetics tied up to this. And, uh... There, there are genes, particularly for breast cancer and ovarian cancer, which are called the BRCA1 and 2 right. genes. So we can change the outcome of the individual by adding that mutation. So if we look at a BRC, uh, test them for that particular gene, we can tell them that, look, you've got a 70%, 80% chance of getting this cancer, and that could take your life. And uh, under these circumstances, the best thing you can do is remove the target organ, which can cause the cancer, as an example, the breast. So you remove the breast, and this is done in certain situations where you are positive for the gene. Hmm. So if you remove the target, the gene is there, and you can't change it because you're stuck with it for your life, hmm. but you can change your destiny by removing the breast, and not getting the cancer back. Well, the famous Angelina Jolie yeah, situation. Right, 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 right. And you hear yeah, that's become quite common, actually. Does does the the study of the genes themselves, does it affect the way that you treat cancer? Yes. Uh, a very good question, uh, Richard. You're, you're on it. So what happens is that those are the familial genes which we were discussing. But then there are certain genes which are uh, totally messed up within the cancer itself against which we can have drugs which are being developed. So we can look for the gene, identify a drug. It, those are not familial genes. Those are genes which are mutated genes which the cancer causes the mutation with, and we can target that particular uh, cancer. For example, in lung cancer, we can do that. Uh, there is a leukemia, which is uh, called chronic myeloid uh, leukemia. As a matter of fact, Pastor Ron Vietti, uh, an important member of our community, was one of the first we got onto a trial at UCLA who uh, went into remission with that particular oh. uh, a new drug, and that drug became... Uh, later FDA approved, and he was the first in 
first person in the world to get a drug which uh, helped uh, reverse his chronic myeloid leukemia. And that came through the CBC partnership with UCLA on the on the trials, correct? Correct. Oh, man, that's, that's terrific. Uh, talk to me about the most prevalent type of cancers in Kern County because we're all familiar with our air quality and that we live in an industrial region with the fossil fuel production. I'm just kind of curious, what, what are the top two or three types of cancers that you see here? So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of people want to leave Kern County saying that, you know, look, Kern County, bad air, bad air quality mm-hmm. and this and that and uh, higher incidence of cancer. Not true. Our uh, data for cancer is, uh, it's a, first of all, it's a great county to live in, a great place to live in, so please don't leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, our, the incidence of the three major cancers, colon, breast, and lung, are equal to the national averages. They don't, uh, they're not higher. Uh, and uh, uh, the detection methods, you know, if people continue with their screenings, it would be good. But the critical thing is that uh, that question has periodically come up that, you know, do we have a higher incidence of cancer right. in our community? And we don't. Okay. So uh, it's not, not established. Now and then there may be some slight changes, but at the end of the day, if you look at the averages over years, well, we're right in line with the most common cancers, well, lung, in- breast, colon. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Talk to me about uh, lung, breast, and colon cancer, those three types of common cancers, in terms of what we can do through our uh, lifestyle or behavior, what we eat or uh, how, how we treat our bodies. Are, are, can, can we reduce our chances of contracting all three of these types of cancers uh, th- through just lifestyle choices? Yeah, very, very important uh, comment there too, question you raised. You see, if we look at lung cancer, the chances of a non-smoker getting lung cancer is fairly remote. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, unfortunately, uh there is a rise in cancer rates, even amongst women, because there's more incidence of smoking. And so smoking has a very direct impact on uh, the incidence of cancer, so uh, of lung cancer particularly. Then if we look at uh, uh, high animal fat intake, it doesn't mean you need to be a vegetarian, but you know, if you eat less red meat, it's generally better. Uh, more fr- fruits, veggies, fish, hormone-free chicken uh, mm. is better than, uh, you know, uh, foster farm chicken, for example, is hormone-free. Mm. So, you know, that generally helps. Uh, and then the other thing which we face, unfortunately, as a nation, is obesity, you know, and mm. lack of exercise. And uh, obesity is linked to other cancers also, uterine, breast. Uh, so keeping your weight down, exercising regularly, not smoking, getting your screening done if you're a smoker, mm-hmm. uh, making sure we see this sadly, that people uh, don't get the colonoscope done uh, right at the age of 45 or 50, and they've never had it done, 
and we see them have colon cancer when they're 56, 60, and they could have prevented it and changed their lives. Gosh, let's talk about the whole uh, the, the screening available for different types of cancers. And I know that you guys over at CBCC will occasionally have, or you know, maybe you do it all the time, lots of free, free, absolutely uh, free screenings for different types of cancers. What what types of screening should be men and women be aware of, and what would be available at what cost over at CBCC? So uh, mammograms are very, very critical to detect breast cancer early. Uh, and it's a good idea to start the mammograms uh, on a regular basis. And what we've done is that if patients do runs, we will definitely help them with free mammograms. Uh, if patients... Uh, another important one is prostate and the PSA blood test is a good test to do, mm -hmm. particularly if you have a family history of prostate cancer, but uh, it's a good idea to do it. And then uh, people always have this controversy that you started at 50, you started at 45. The most important thing is around the age of 50, start getting the PSA test done mm -hmm. and if you don't have insurance, again, we will do it for free for patients who do not have insurance. Uh, and then it's critical that if you are a smoker and you have what is called a 40-pack year history of smoking, you could have smoked, two, if you 40-pack year means that if you smoke one pack a day for 40 years or you smoke two packs a day, for 20 years, that's mm. still a 40-pack year history okay. of smoking. Right. So if you have a heavy history of smoking, we do what are called low-dose CT scans for free. If patients uh, do not have insurance, they can contact us, and we will do this for free for them to pick up lung cancer early. And if you're a heavy smoker, it's a good idea to do this on a regular basis uh, once a year so that we can pick up the cancer early. Is, is it so, ever, I, I, I'm sure you, you tell anybody who smoked, I don't care how long you've smoked, it's, it's best if you quit now. But is there a time, this is a horrible thing to say, but is there a time when, when you've, you've almost smoked too long, if you've gone, use that 40-year example, if you smoke for 40 years and then you quit and say you're 50, is that really going to help you? No, it'll still help because okay. it'll slowly, slowly, slowly start decreasing the risk. And you still have the risk, but then, you know, you start looking for it early. And even lung cancer, if you, if you uh, we're not encouraging people to smoke, mm -hmm. but, you know, if you are a smoker and we pick up your cancer early and we can cure you, then, you know, it's a great thing. And then, you know, hopefully you'll stop, people will stop smoking once they realize that they get it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and it still makes a difference. The outcome does change when you stop smoking. Okay, that's interesting. And how and, and that continues as the longer you stay uh you know, smoke free, you you that continues to get better? Yes. Yes. Uh the risk starts decreasing, decreasing, okay. decreasing. 
But if, if you've smoked, you still have a risk. So you still got to, even if you've stopped, it's a good idea to do the low-dose CT scan. Yeah. It's a very non-invasive test, uh, very quick to do. And, uh, and, you know, again, most of the prevention immunity so if they don't have insurance you okay know. you cut off there a little bit uh, i i missed you a little bit though uh so we want to offer it for free to people who do not have insurance coverage it. so very very important okay very good hey you know I, I i you had mentioned to me at one time something about liquid biopsies I'm not sure what that is. Is that something new? And, it, and is that, what is a liquid biopsy and how is it used in cancer screenings? Yes, that's uh, an important one. So, for example, what happens is that in certain situations uh, where a patient has cancer and we cannot get a biopsy and the bio cancer has been present in the past, uh, we can take the blood and through the blood, we can identify either cancer cells or genetic mutations and uh, target drugs or screen for cancer through the blood test. So those are what are called liquid biopsies. For example, in patients with lung cancer, sometimes it's difficult for older people to get a biopsy because the cancer is very small and under those circumstances, uh, the biopsy is a significant risk, even if the cancer has been proven. And now we're trying to identify a drug which can be useful for them. Uh, what we can do is get the sample of the blood, test it, and then identify a drug which can work against the cancer in certain situations. Uh, and lung cancer is a very good example where we do it on a regular basis. Oh, that's interesting. Can you talk to me a little bit about some of the new treatments that are out? I'm always amazed by, you know, you talked about the, what was it called? The cyber knife or something some, some, some time yeah. ago. Talk to me about you know, what's new and promising out there. So, you know, uh, the whole thing which has happened nowadays is that, you know, we were, in the past, uh, the, the way the treatment, a very good way of looking at it is that uh, if we look at treatment in the past, it was more or less like throwing a bomb, hoping that the bad guys will die and the good guys will not get damaged, <laughs> but it never worked. You throw a bomb and everybody gets killed, mm. you know? So what's happening now is that uh, more and more treatments are coming out, fortunately, where we can target specifically uh, the cancer cells. Uh, for example, uh, lung cancer or leukemia, uh, we can target only the particular cancer cells which have a certain target on their surface. Um, we have also medicines which are uh, not like chemotherapy, but can cut the blood supply to the tumors. And uh, there's a drug available in the market today, which is called Avastin, which is basically, uh, you know, cutting, uh, cuts the pipelines of supplies to the cancer cells. 
and uh, helps and it's very non-toxic so works in colon cancer uh, works in certain kinds of breast cancer so these kinds of drugs are becoming more and more intelligent and more targeted more refined so uh, the side effects are much less than before the quality of life for cancer patients is much better they can enjoy their families travel and uh, yet can have uh, in spite of the cancer a very meaningful life for a prolonged period of time uh, this uh, that was my follow up question to be about how less invasive or less destructive or toxic or whatever that these new therapies are because anybody who's experienced cancer themselves or have had a loved one uh, go through it, you can see how hard it is on the body, particularly for older people, right? Correct, yes. And uh, and you bring that up that, you know, uh, older people, it's very hard for them to get treatment. Uh, but nowadays, you know, you can... Uh, uh, really prolong even older people's lives in a very meaningful way. Uh, I don't want to take up a lot of your time, but I was going to just share a story of an old gentleman who used to come to us who had lung cancer, and he was about 84, and he used to come with a lady who just knew him, and they both used to come, and uh, the lady used to bring him and help him out and get treatment, and the family had thought that he would live for only about three to six months. And lo and behold, this gentleman continued living with these new kind of drugs. Oh. And the lady who was coming to bring him every time fell in love with him and they got married. Oh. And he got another three, four years, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, you know, here's an old guy with cancer and, you know, very little future remaining, but then. Things worked. Ultimately, it did get him, but he got a got a, a few good years with these drugs. You, know? you don't know how happy that makes me to hear you say that because yeah, <laughs> it's it's hope, isn't it? I mean, hope lives at, at whatever age and whatever circumstance. If you lose that, you lose it all. Yeah. I love that story. That's terrific. What kind of what kind of trials are you guys going through with UCLA now? So right now, uh, you know, uh, we have several new trials which we are doing with uh, UCLA. There is a cancer marker which is uh, called a CEA, and uh, this can be found in lung cancer and in colon cancer, uh, some of the other cancers. And there is an, a, a new drug which is a targeted drug using the CEA antibody. So we're using that particular one for uh, lung cancer. We have a uh, study which we are doing also uh, with UCLA for colon cancer for a particular mutation which is found in colon cancer called a KRAS mutation. So there is a drug which targets this particular mutation in, uh, in colon cancer. Mm. Uh, there's also a new trial which we're doing for uh, prostate cancer with a drug targeting another mutation, which happens in uh, prostate cancer. Mm. So, uh, oh, and then finally, we also have a uh, trial for a, uh, a breast cancer. There is a kind of breast cancer which is called triple negative breast cancer, which is a very, very aggressive uh, mm. breast cancer. There's a lot of uh, interest in really... Uh, identifying targets for this 
So there is a drug which has been developed specifically for this, which we are doing a trial with uh, UCLA on. Hey, what's the? How does that work when you're affiliated with with a medical center like uh, UCLA and you become part of their trials? Are you? Is it just a way for them to get a a, a different geographic mix into the the number of people who are doing it? So they set up the the procedures and then you recruit people up here. And how do you go about recruiting people for trials? So what we do is that uh, uh, UCLA has now uh, tried to reach community uh, centers uh, in certain areas where they in in certain research areas where they want to develop the research, and that's how we developed uh, the relationship with them. Uh, and we were one of the first sites which. UCLA associated with years ago mm. to develop a partnership for research. So it's a win-win for everybody, uh, particularly the patients. And uh, we get access to cutting-edge drugs from UCLA. And, uh, and as a result of that, what happens is that uh, these drugs are uh, then, most of these drugs do get FDA approved. For example, uh, the drug called Herceptin, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we did trials with UCLA and mm -hmm. some of our patients in the community were patients who participated in the trial and they uh, were directly responsible for getting the drug approved and helping so many other people in the country. So, you know, it's kudos to the patients in our community to participate in these trials because it furthers uh, the progress and the development and the approvals of these cutting-edge drugs, which then become available to the rest of the country and the world, you know. Oh, man, it's, it, it's terrific for our community. All right, uh, we're talking to Dr. Ravi Patel here at Comprehensive Blood and Cancer Center. Ravi, I want to uh, wrap up here by asking you about these autoimmune disease, diseases, and they just seem to be everywhere now, tied into you know, arthritis, psoriasis, Crohn's disease. I mean, it goes on and on. And it's come up a lot in this fight against COVID in that uh, people with these autoimmune diseases are often on biologic agents that reduce their immune system, which makes them more susceptible. But in terms mm -hmm. of cancers, what are you finding mm -hmm. out? How is your understanding of the, the immune system changing in regards to cancer treatments and and what for 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 the legions of people with some type of autoimmune disorder does that necessarily mean that they are more susceptible to a cancer uh sometimes but uh sometimes they are if they're getting very immunosuppressive drugs mm -hmm. but the interesting thing about uh, the whole immune system is that uh in the past, what cancer cells, uh, and even now, of course, what the cancer cells do is that the immune system is a powerful tool the creator has given to us. Uh, because the immune system, if you get a cold, it lashes out and tries to attack uh, the viruses which are producing the cold or a cough uh, and things like that. But there are times when the immune system 
there are conditions where uh, the uh, cancer cells, for example, evade the immune system and the immune system does not recognize the mm-hmm. cancer cells. So what happens is that this new class of drugs, which is called immunotherapy, almost it's like shining a light in the dark to identify the crook at home mm. and catch him. That's literally what happens is that uh, the immune system, the new immunotherapy, just uh, creates the ability for these cancer cells to be recognized and attacked. Mm. And that's the mechanism why the immunotherapy is effective now more and more and more. And this new class of drugs called immunotherapy drugs, for example, they they use it in lung cancer also, Mm. and some of the other cancers, uh, lymphomas, for example, and uh, are very, very effective. So they're bringing new hope uh, through the understanding of immunotherapy. And, you know, fortunately, the people who won the Nobel Prize for the discovery of immunotherapy were from the United States. And yeah. so we can see how the United States is helping the entire world by the discovery of these intelligent uh, ways of attacking cancer. Huh. Is, is there any uh, uh, rational explanation of, of why we see so many of these immune disorders now? Oh, no, that's a good question because, you know, a lot, some of it is tied up with the uh, environment, some of it is tied up with food, but it's also uh, a complex area where people are doing more research to see, you know, uh, is there a way to identify things earlier through these changes? Uh, a very, very exciting area. But the treatments are becoming very, very effective. For example, in rheumatoid arthritis, uh, where there's a lot of immunological changes, new drugs are coming out because they're uh, able to target certain cells in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Same thing applies in cancer. Same thing applies in other autoimmune diseases. Oh, that's so fascinating. Dr. Ravi Patel has been with us to shed a light on some of the work they're doing over at CBCC, some of the free screenings they have available there. Dr. Patel, I always enjoy having you on. I hope you'll come back and, and join us again on this podcast. Thank you so much, Richard, for the opportunity. We wish you and all the listeners a great New Year. And uh, uh, don't forget the cancer screening and we're not looking for any business. So stay away from us (laughs) and live the good lifestyle. (laughs) Okay, I hope to talk to you in 2022, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Dr. Robbie Patel, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bakersfield Observe, the podcast with Richard Bean. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Centric Healthcare and Premier Lighting.